0: Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fucked Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. yo what is up fucked up no fam it's your girl you already know the drill uh just a little intro at the top of the episode hi hi <laughs> you're listening to that show fuck me up a podcast where i talk about tv shows that fuck me up really self-explanatory uh today is the wrap-up episode for the ninth season we or who's this we i keep talking about we is yes in french but i will be wrapping up the white lotus season two and it was a hell of a fucking ride yes it was y'all miss me saying that huh it was a journey well well it literally was a journey to italy but besides the point Irrelevant. Let me get started with uh, personal updates. Personal updates. I just came back from New York. I am I'm literally a New York stan now. I stan New York. It was so much fun, fucked up fam. I literally came back yesterday on Monday and today I'm recording it while the trip is still fresh in my brain so I could give you an overview of my whole trip and what I did. Okay, so I got there Wednesday, June 7th at night. My flight got delayed because I had a layover in Kansas City. Yes, I do not know what I was thinking getting a flight with a layover in Kansas City. That was my mistake. I learned from my mistakes. That is never, ever going to fucking happen again. I'm flying direct all the way because I can't stand it. A three-hour flight and then a five-hour break in Kansas City and then another three-hour flight. That is psychotic and I will not stand for it. So, yeah, I got to New York. At 10pm. By the time I got to the hotel, it was almost midnight. It So it was actually the day when it was like the worst because of the wildfires in Canada. And but I didn't got, get to experience it because I was in the air most of the day and five hours in Kansas City, if I didn't say it already. But I got there, my head started to hurt. So I don't know if it was because of the traveling or because of like the air pollution. And then the next day I just walked around the area. I stayed in like downtown financial district area and my head did hurt the next day too. But the other days I was fine. I wasn't wearing a mask. I was like, if my lungs can survive California wildfires, my lungs can survive anything, anything. So I just went over, I just walked around the financial district, went to a park called The Battery and just walked around for a little bit then I went over to, like, the World Trade Center, and on my walk there, I passed by, like, the legendary, the bull um, statue. And then my favorite one was the fear, I believe it's called the Fearless Girl statue. And I took this picture, and she's, like, looking up, and she's, like, standing upright. And it just gave, that statue gave me so much hope. Like, i got to care less about the fucking bull in front of Wall Street. But the Fearless Girl, yes, we stand. She is fearless, and so am I. And then I just went to the World Trade Center and walked around there. So basically, like I said, I went for a theater thing. So every day of like my whole trip, I had like a theater thing, uh, which was play readings, the play readings of the other playwrights that uh, participated in IATI uh, Cimientos 2023 program. So I was I only had like a short amount of time or like a couple hours each day to do, like, touristy stuff or to just, like, explore. And then the rest of the day was, like, spent in the theater, um, seeing everyone's works and stuff like that, hanging out. Um, and so, the, so that was Thursday. Friday, Friday, I went to Chinatown. I walked around there, bought a couple stuff, ate yummy fucking delicious food. So good. So good. Good. I had the wontons on the spicy chili oil. Holy fucking shit. I came. I literally, literally orgasmed in the middle of the restaurant and the restaurant was called Taiwan Pork House. Yeah, Pork House. So if you're ever in Chinatown, go visit it. It's like, it, it, it was so good. The food was good. I also got salt and pepper chicken over rice with some veggies. And then the wontons, which made me orgasm. And then, um, what was I going to say? <sighs> yeah, and then I met up with my friend, Fedra. Fedra is a talented actress, I met her at UCSD. We were both taking like the same acting intensive class and it was fucking intensive. If I do say so myself, we just like walked around. We went to Washington Square Park. Uh, near NYU. And then we just talked and reminisced about the good old days when we had acting classes together at UCSC. And it was so good to see her. I hadn't seen her in years. And and she's just an amazing fucking individual, like a film, a a short film that she was a part of and she acted on was part of the Tribeca Film Festival. So like I said, she is going to do amazing fucking things. And I'm so happy that I got to see her in New York. Um, and then, so then afterwards I just went to the theater and then the next day, what did I do? So it was Saturday. I went to Chelsea market, walked around there. I did the most amazing, I had like the most amazing experience. Not only did I eat a fucking delicious, delicious, not delicious, salmon and lox bagel, but I had a picture taken of the color of my aura. Fucked up fam. I've always known that I'm special. I've always known that I'm different. I've always known that I was put in this world to do amazing fucking things, right? And having that picture of my aura taken just confirmed a lot of things, and it confirmed that I'm on the right path. Why did the picture of my aura have every color of the fucking rainbow? Tell me why. Tell me. During Pride Month. Am I right? Am I fucking right, ladies and gentlemen and babies? (laughs) And then the lady that, like, took the picture, she then gives you, like, a brief summary of what she sees. And even she was stunned. Like, my girly pop was shook. She was shooketh to her core Like she was like looking at it and she's just amazed of all the colors. Look, I'll tell you how many colors there is. There's orange. There's pink. There's lilac. There's purple. There's blue and there's light blue. There's green and there's yellow. You, okay. You can't tell me that doesn't mean something because I've seen pictures of auras before. I have, I have. And it's usually like maybe one or two colors, but mine being all these colors just makes me even more delusional. Like (laughs) the first thing this lady asked me was like, do you do healing work? And I'm like, I don't think so. Like not really. And she's like, well, you would be really good at it. So you should start, you should like do healing work because of like the, all the pink, that there was in my aura so now i'm gonna look into doing healing work i don't know i don't know maybe i'll be good at it but then i told her that i was a writer and she's like so you do do healing work and i was like well yeah i guess i suppose because you're like you're putting your stories out there that are healing people and i'm like oh my fucking god again i'm so delulu like that just confirmed so many fucking things in my life and yeah, I just I just really like I said, I know I'm all, I'm going to do amazing things, but sometimes just hearing it from a stranger makes me I don't know, I just it's it's very fucking satisfying. So after Chelsea Market, I just walked the High Line and took a bunch of pictures. It was nice, it was fun. Um so I walked by this church uh, it's called Jud- Judson Memorial Church. And this is the, the message that they had outside of the church. It says, God is queer and delights in your queerness. Be the glitter you wish to see in the world. More churches need need to be like Judson Memorial Church. You know, like <laughs> I saw this. I stopped and I took a picture of this because I was like, that's fucking beautiful. Be the glitter you wish to see in the world. God is queer like I'm telling like I was just like uh, it just like being in New York just it made me really happy It made me really happy and then as I was walking back to the theater I walked by Washington Square Park and I noticed that there was this festival going on and it was the Hare Krishna festival and I just walked around I listened to live music I was really like Not overwhelmed, but it just, like, some of the music, because it's just, like, repeating Hare Krishna over and over again, and it becomes, like, a mantra, and it's, like, the musicality of it, I got so fucking emotional, but, like, in a happy way, like, I can't even describe it, it was so good. And then the last day on Sunday, uh, Sue, who was another of the playwrights, Sue said that she was going to start listening to the podcast. So Sue, if you've gotten this far, hi, you were amazing. I'm so happy that we get to be part of each other's lives. And and I'm I, I'm i am just so happy we got to know each other and spend time in New York together. And Sue, not only is she a playwright, but she's a novelist in Korea, in South Korea. and. She just like we had like the, these deep ass conversations about our family, about what we write about, about creativity. And and then she invited me over to eat some yummy Korean fried chicken and a kimchi pancake. And we had a lot of like fun. And yeah, so that a Sunday was actually the day of my play reading. There was a, one play reading before mine. Uh, my one of the playwrights, Heloise, who came from Scotland and then it was mine and it was just it was a lovely fucking experience it's it's all I'm gonna say um it like and then hearing the feedback from like the audience afterwards there was a talk back my friend fed that i went to the play reading and so did molly molly adea who's also an amazing fucking actress and individual based off of new york right now but she also does stuff like uh in san diego so she's by coastal or whatever but i hadn't seen her in years since we probably graduated back in 2018 five fucking years and she went and we like hung out afterwards and it was so fucking amazing and it just makes me so happy it makes me so fucking happy just like knowing that wherever I go or like I could be in fucking New York and I'm gonna like run into or like meet up with people that I love so much it was great and then my friend Yara she told her friend that there was a play reading for my work and her friend, I guess is based off of New York and she showed up with her mom. And then after the play, they like thanked me and told me that they really liked the play. And <sighs> so in conclusion, I guess I am doing healing work. <laughs> um, What else? And I just got to see the plays of like the rest of the cast I think my favorite plays I would have to say are is one from one of the playwrights called Daniel um and his play was called Waiting for Golines and it's a, a adaptation of Waiting for Godot uh Latinx or like a Mexican or Chicano adaptation of Waiting for Godot and then um the if, Uh, the play by my by my friend uh, nico who's from chile he wrote this play called tragedias featuring dj dioniso dioniso y las furias and that play was all in spanish the the direction that they went with it was fucking amazing so basically his play was um a combination of greek tragedy Greek tragedy and hip hop so it was so fucking good like I can't wait to see that like fully staged I feel like it would be so amazing and yeah I think I just had an amazing time and I and I wanted to share with y'all um yeah yeah I think that's all I have to say about my New York trip oh wait um I learned to use the subway, which I'm really proud of myself. As you know, or as maybe you don't know, California doesn't have the best public transportation. Um, we're not, and especially San Diego. San Diego has trash public transportation. So, like, just learning to navigate the subway, and and I only saw one rat in my entire trip, and I also felt really safe. I, mean, I don't know if it was just like the area I was staying at, or or what, but I just felt really safe all throughout. My trip. I only got proposed to propose once in the subway and it was like my first day there. And I feel like, oh, so I you know, as long as I got proposed to by this man, he's like, Mommy, why are you making me work so hard? Like, marry me. And I'm just like, sir, I'm just it was like my first time on the subway. And I was like, Oh my god, sir, like <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna get in the right fucking train or whatever. So I was just like, it made me really nervous. And I'm like, okay, uh so, yeah. Only one proposal and only one rat. So I call that a good New York trip. <laughs> um, Yeah, let's move over to podcast updates. So I recently, so, okay. So I, or the app that I used to record the podcast used to be called Anchor, but I think it was bought off by Spotify. So now it transitioned from Anchor to podcasters uh, or, like, it's called Spotify for podcasters now. So from Anchor to Spotify to podcasters. And I saw that they now have this, like, I guess it's, like, a feature, a new feature of the Spotify for podcasters app where y'all, like, my listeners, can leave messages to me, like, if, like, maybe a, if, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But I'm going to leave a link in the description of this episode. So if you have any thoughts that you would like to share with me, you could literally record your own episode and send them to me my way. Wouldn't that be fun? I think that would be so fun because I know I have some very vocal listeners that have a lot of things to say. And I would love to hear from you. And then I could maybe I could even add it to one of the episodes, you know, I feel like that would be so fun. So I'm going to leave the link. It's called a uh, voice messaging link. I don't know, but I'll leave it in the description for this episode. And another podcast update. You already know the drill. Remember to give the podcast a five-star review. Um, even if you don't, maybe you listen on Spotify, you don't listen on an Apple podcast, just go to Apple podcast and leave a review there too. <laughs> it helps the podcast so much with visibility. Um And I'd really appreciate it. And I'll give you a tiny little kiss on the mouth. I promise next time I see you, I'll give you a tiny little kiss on the mouth. And if you write um, (laughs) a review, maybe I'll add, I'll include a little tongue. You know, you know, I'll keep it fun. I'll keep it spontaneous. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Wait. Maybe. It depends how much alcohol I've consumed that day. But yes, uh just leave a po- leave a review for the podcast. What are you doing right now? If you have had, like, what are you doing? What are you wearing? Just kidding. <laughs> I do want to add that I am recording this episode in my underwear because I just took off took off my work clothes and I was like, ah, I don't know what to wear. It's hot inside my apartment. And yeah, I just felt the need to like visualize. What's happening to you? And I'm looking good. Like, I'm looking fucking bomb. Maybe I'll send you a picture if you leave a review. Just kidding. No, no, no. No more quid pro quo. No more. <laughs> Let's move over to our recommendations corner. So I watched two movies uh, recently because on my plane right back because it was a JetBlue flight. 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 Not a fight. It was a jet blue. F- flight and New York to San Diego it's around six and a half hours almost or like yeah like six hours so the first one that I watched was really fun it was the Megan film and I know we've seen it done again we've seen the evil doll story done before but it was really good like it was a fun fucking watch I'll give it like a 7.5 out of 10 it's good the cast is good the acting you know who comes out you know who the fuck comes out and you know I fucking stand, Baby Nelly from The Haunting of Hill House. You know, she's so precious. I adore that little girl. I would die for that little girl. And I'm going to support her till the end of the world. So if you want to go support Baby Nell, go watch Megan with, with a 3 instead of an E. Um, it's a good doll. Like, it, it's the story of how far AI can go. And, you know, if we make our machines really smart, they might turn against us. Just letting y'all know. So stop making machines really fucking smart. Gosh, it's not that fucking hard, yo. All right, the second movie I watched. Holy fucking shit. This movie fucked up, them. This movie destroyed me. It destroyed me. Um, trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, and and yeah, and the R word. Um, wow, it's called "Woman Talking." Wow, tell me why I cried all throughout the movie. Not me crying in the in the middle seat in a flight. <laughs> I was all sniffly, too. Like, the ladies next to me were probably like, what's wrong with this stupid dumb bitch? Wow. So, the premise of the movie, it's basically, it's, like, a religious cult or, like, it looks like, yeah, like, they're just living off. They're wearing, like, old-timey clothes. A colony. Yeah, they call it a colony. So, it's, like, a very religious colony. And then out of, out of nowhere, the women just start waking up and they notice that they've been assaulted at night, but they didn't realize it. Like they didn't wake up and then it turns out, it turns out fucked up fam. that the man of the colony were drugging them with like cow tranquilizers and then raping them in the middle of the night. And then, well, they were going to like their elders or like their religious elders and telling them about them. And the elders were like lying to them and telling them, oh, it's probably ghosts. It's probably this. It's probably a bad spirit. Till one day, one of the women and I and I think I'm saying women, I, I don't think that's the right term because. These were girls, one of the girls see one of the men running out of their room after they've been assaulted and the women capture him. And he confesses that the rest of the men from the colony, from the religious colony that they're all a part of, have been raping and assaulting them. There's, oh my God. So the women get together and they've got to decide what they need to do. Should they stay? And forgive. Should they should they stay and fight or should they leave? So they they vote women that were never even taught to read or write because only the man got to learn to read and write. They get together because all of the men, all of the fucking men go leave the colony so they could bail out their homies, their homies that are raping the women of their colony they all leave to go bail them out of jail this movie destroyed me there's this part and i don't even want to talk about it because look but i'm already getting fucking teary-eyed there oh my god the monstrosities that these men did holy fucking shit it was a good movie. It's a really fucking hard to watch. But if you're like emotionally prepared for it, I feel like I, I think I would definitely recommend this movie. But again, hard watch, really difficult subjects. Like assault of a child, like like really, really dark shit. But yeah, th- that movie was really, really good. All right, and I'm going to transition over to TV shows because I don't want to be bummed out for this wrap-up episode because that was, it was so sad. Uh, TV shows, I started watching and just like that. Do you want to know why I started watching it? So it's like the Sex and the City, uh, Sex and the City um, sequel? Is it a sequel? Yeah. Because Samantha Jones, a.k.a. Well, Kim Cattrall, a.k.a. Samantha Jones, is finally coming back. She signed for season two of and just like that. Give this woman her coin. I'm sure that check is gonna be huge if Miss Samantha Jones is coming back, and I'm happy for her. Yes. Take all their fucking money. Take all that Sarah Jessica Park Parker money and keep it for yourself. Kim trial. you deserve it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I stand Kim Control. Samantha Jones made sex in the city. Without Samantha Jones, there's no sex in the city. Because all the mother bitches were prudes. Samantha Jones was out there and fucking. Yes, she was. And we support that 100%. She's a role model. She's an idol. I look up to her. Yes, and what about it? Because I'm out here in the city and fucking too. And I learn from the best. (laughs) And I also watched a couple more episodes of Succession. I think I watched like two more episodes in the plane right there to New York. It's good. It's good. I feel like it just gives me so much anxiety. I don't know why. I feel like I can only watch a couple episodes at a time because it's just it makes me so fucking anxious and I don't know why. But yeah, that's all I have for updates and recommendations. So let's get started with the fucking wrap up episode. Woo. I don't know why I would. I'm so sorry. I'm not a woo girl. Let's get started. (laughs) All right, fucked up fam. So basically the agenda for today is I'm going to go over some articles that I found, uh, basically just cases where a spouse is killed due to financial reasons. And then we're just going to answer some lingering questions about season two of The White Lotus. So starting with the first article, article it's called Gold Digger Killers, Why Some People Kill Their Spouses for Money. And again, uh, all of the things that I talk about will be linked on the episode's description so you can go check it out because I'm only going to be summarizing fucked up them. <laughs> so I, I might miss out on some of the details or some of the research or some of the names, but go ahead and go look through those resources if you have any more questions or are just curious. So this um, article, it talked about how 20% of spousal killers are materially motivated. So that means that uh, they're killing their spouse for money reasons. 20% kind of seems a low percentage. But uh, we do know that most uh, spousal killers are crimes of passion. Uh, But for those that are related to money reasons or are materially motivated, there is a lot more pre-planning that goes into you know, before the murder is committed. Uh, And a crime of passion, I would describe, it's just something that happens in the moment, something that just like triggers you and then you murder someone. So that could be like, you know, a husband walking in on his wife, cheating on them. Or, um, you know, while you're arguing with your spouse, they tell you that they want to leave you. And then your first thought is, if I can't have her, no one can. So that type of mentality. Um, the article talked about a couple of cases. I'm just well, it was three cases, but I'm just gonna t- touch on two. Uh, the first case it, ha- it it has to do with a woman named Uloma Curry Walker, um, who was tens of thousands of dollars in debt, and then uh, she married this firefighter named William Walker, and William Walker did not know about his new wife's debt problems. Um, And she was aware that he had an 100k life insurance, and she told asked her 17 year old daughter to help her plan her husband's murder. Lady, what, what is wrong with people? How are you gonna drag your child into? planning a murder especially a child because she's 17 at the time so she's under age she's not an adult yet why would you ruin your daughter's life just to pay off your debt what so she drags along her daughter and um she asks her daughter's boyfriend who was 20 at the time problematic yes but that has nothing to do with the story so the boyfriend uh she asked him to plot the murder and like help her Hit her help her commit the murder. So the boyfriend and some of his friends shot William Walker in his driveway. Um, however, Uloma, Uloma, you could have done a little bit more research. I think they were only like a like six like maybe like a year into being married. And William Walker had never like hadn't updated his life insurance beneficiaries. So his ex-wife was still named the beneficiary of his $1,000 life insurance claim. So guess who ended up collecting that money? Guess fucked up, fam. Guess. So Wiloma was not only irresponsible, she was fucking stupid and a murderer. So whatever. Um, She had promised, like, you know, her daughter's boyfriend and his homies, like, some money she wasn't able to give them the money because she did not receive the life insurance um, and then they like turned on her, obviously um, because she was not able to pay them, and they all ended up going to jail and Oloma is serving a jail sentence without the possibility of parole the three other men um they were given like a set, like year sentence. I don't recall, but again, you can look at it in the article. And her daughter who was 17 at the time ended up serving like a month in in juvie. So, you know, like she didn't get to like, do like a hard time. But I mean, mean, (laughs) everyone's life fucking ruined because this woman was like, you know what? I'm gonna kill my new husband to pay off my debt. What? What is wrong with people? I can't. I cannot deal. Um, the next uh, case that was mentioned in this in this article was this man called Des Campbell. Uh, he murdered his wife of six six months, Janet, by pushing her off a cliff while they were visiting the Royal National Park. So uh, similar to the White Lotus uh, because they were on vacation, obviously not similar because Greg wasn't the one that like killed or like put Tanya in a position to be, well, I mean, he did put her in a position to be killed, but he wasn't there. Like he got other people to do his dirty deeds, but still while on vacation. So before they got married, Janet and Des had met at a hospital. Janet was an orderly. Des was a, parame- a paramedic. And from, like, the outside, it looked like they were really in love. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Janet was extremely wealthy. Um, so Janet, right away after they got married, like, included Des into her will, put his name and her name under her $660,000 property. And in the short time, they were married which was very short six months des cheated on her with three other women and then when she died uh he's so so basically what he explained or what he told authorities was that they were in their camping trip in the park and janet got up from their tent to go to the restroom and then she never came back and then they later found her body like at the bottom of the cliff so kind of like speculating like maybe she was disoriented and then she just fell off the cliff but no Des pushed her off the cliff um and then a few weeks later uh, literally a few weeks fucking later this man you know talks to his lawyer starts getting the money flow coming in plans a trip with a mu- another woman using his wife's or his deceased wife's money and not only that he proposed to this woman Three weeks later, what? What? And this, uh, uh, um. So I, I said that it seemed like they were all in, like very much in love, but what, after they got married, like people or like there were people that said that he would call his wife like an ugly pig or something like something really horrible. So, in conclusion, man trash. Obviously, like the first uh, case, Loma. She was a woman, but. Des Campbell. What? I can't. I can't. And the article also said how these types of per- perpetrators usually kill their spouses within the first three years of their marriage. But when it's a murder-suicide scenario, it's uh usually they've been married way longer than that. So for a murder-suicide, it has to be like 15 years or more or so. So that like H... No, that year difference is really like noticeable. Um, and then I wanted to talk upon talk about like two other cases. Um, I wanted to talk about the Lawrence Rudolph case and I um read an article called Wealthy Dentist Lawrence Rudolph found guilty in his wife's death. On twenty sixteen African safari, and then I watch this uh U- a YouTube video. It's forty eight hours investigates the mysterious death of an Arizona woman during you know a uh, safari, whatever. So basically, in twenty sixteen. Lawrence and his wife, Bianca, went to a safari in Zambia. And then 24 hours before they were set to return home, Bianca died of a gunshot, gunshot wound that Lawrence claimed was uh, like a self-inflicted accident. And that when it happened, so conveniently, he was not there. He was in the restroom. He heard the gunshot uh, go off. And then he found his wife bleeding and death on the floor. Um. So he claimed that it probably misfired when Bianca was cleaning and putting away the firearm. But obviously, this raised questions because both Lawrence and Bianca were experienced hunters. And the local man that worked in the safari was also not so sure about the story. Because after like the hunt, both of their guns were empty, emptied out of ammunition. And he claims that he saw Bianca Rudolph cleaning the gun and that there was no ammunition. So... There's an eyewitness, allegedly, or I mean, not allegedly because he was charged with his wife's murder, but still. So after two days, uh, the police in Zambia closed the case and declared it like an accidental uh, accidental misfire. But back in the U.S., a family friend grew concerned because Lawrence chose to have his wife cremated uh, three days after she died. Uh, the friend then contacted the FBI to let them know that since Bianca was a devout Catholic she would never consider getting like cremated so it was like fishy that her husband would cremate her knowing you know like her religious background and the investigation also revealed that Lawrence was having an affair had a had around a five million dollar life insurance payout and that it and the investigation also um, you know um, found that it was Physically impossible for Bianca to shoot herself because of her size, because of how tall she was. She was like, not, she was like, I believe she was a short woman and the gun was pretty long. So there was no way that she could shoot herself or that it would misfire, you know? There was a trial and Lawrence was found guilty of shooting his wife and also male fraud for cashing in a $4.8 million in life insurance claims. Uh, Lawrence maintains his innocence. Of course, he does. What do man do? They deny, deny, deny. Um, but the evidence shows that the wounds that Bianca suffered were from being shot from a, like, 2 to 3.5 feet uh, distance. And the or- article also states that Bianca's friend revealed the information about the affair that Lawrence was having um, and that Lawrence was verbally ab- abusive of Bianca and that they fought a lot over money. And so... You know, Lawrence was having an affair and with the manager of his dental practice and she was accused of lying to a federal grand jury under oath and she was later found guilty of being an accessory to murder after the fact. Obstruction and perjury. Girl, girly pop, dick is never that great. Is dick good sometimes? But for you to lie under oath? or a man, a man that murdered his wife? girly. what makes you think that you won't be next? Like, sometimes I'm just like, I I don't understand how women can be so blinded by love or desire or like, what What was her motivation to, like, protect this man? Not only is this man unfaithful, because, okay, so he's unfaithful with you. What makes you think he won't do that to you? He murdered his wife. His wife of, what, 34 years? What makes you think he's not going to do that to you, sweetie pie? Che- a cheater and a murderer. Girl. Girlie, you really know how to pick them, don't you? And Yes, I'm shaming her because she's like, she probably knew what happened. She lied to protect her mans. You don't always have to be a ride or die. Like, if this man is not riding and dying for you, you don't have to be a ride or die. If that means protecting yourself and protecting the world from this man, I would be singing like a fucking cannery. I would be like, yes, this man is trash. And I'll stand by it. And I hope you rot in fucking jail. But no, you chose to be a man-loving, woman-hating person in this equation. I I can't deal with women that protect their lovers after their lovers have proven to be horrible fucking people. And I know these type of men are master manipulators. I know. But again... The dick is never going to be that great for you to lie to protect a man, to protect a murderer. I can't. Um, the other case I wanted to tush, touch upon um, is the Dirty John case. Uh, I watched the show on Netflix when it came out. It, I believe it's the first season. Um, so it's the John Meehan case and the Deborah, like with Deborah Newell. So uh, it's not a thousand percent like similar to like tanya's case but it does show a man being a fucking master manipulator and i feel like maybe greg doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily the same as john Mehem, but he was a manipulator he was trying to get money he i know it's not entirely clear that he set up his wife but i think it is like i don't think it needs to be stated out loud for us to know Greg's a horrible fucking person. He took advantage of Tanya's You know, um what's the word that I'm looking for? Her, her vulnerability for love. And I, I wanna talk about that a little bit more. Um but so I kind of see like similarities and like especially when you're looking for love at an older age. And I think that was um Tanya's goal and how you're more prone to like believe someone's lies because you're like at this point, like I just want to feel love and I just want to be in a relationship. But OK, so basically, John Meham met Deborah Neal through a dating app. And he and he like said that he was an anesthesiologist and he was so charming and he started and he like Basically did what we in this generation are aware is such a red fucking flag. He love-bombed her. So he was calling her every day. They started to meet every day after work. And he very quickly started saying that he was in love with her and how they were soulmates. And obviously, Deborah ate it up because... And, like, the video that I watched, it's a YouTube video, and there's also um, another article, she was saying, she's like, I had everything. I had everything I ever wanted except love. And, like, love was the only thing uh, that was missing for her. And then she meets this man who's giving her what she says is missing in her life. And, of course, she ate it up. uh, It's like love being served to you in a silver fucking platter. And then a few months later, so very quickly, they got married during a Las Vegas trip. And John seemed like the man of her dreams. And he was super accommodating. He would go and walk with her and ask her about her day, which I think is like bare minimum bottom, bottom of the barrel. But for this woman, she's like, a man asking about my day, like a man that cares and wants to hear what I have to say goes. But then, and he would like make her breakfast and take her dry cleaning and take her mail to the mailbox. And he just seemed like the perfect man. Again, bare minimum, ladies. Bare fucking minimum. Making your breakfast, taking your mail to the mailbox, taking your dry cleaning out, asking about your fucking day. Bare bit minimum. I can't say minimum. I was saying minimum. (laughs) Bare minimum. Um so whatever they moved into a house in in like in front of the water in front of like the beach or the lake or whatever they're in front of water (laughs) in front of a body of water so this house was expensive and if anyone knows anything about renting a house or like buying a house in front of a waterfront um y'all better have money they move in deborah was paying for everything and of course, she's like overlooking all the red flags that John had, but her children were very good at picking up on all of those flags. So one of the first things that her children noticed was how John didn't have a car and how he was always driving one of her cars. And and the story that he made up was that uh, when he was in Iraq doing Doctors Without Borders, all of his things got stolen. Sketchy. So you were abroad and and all your things were stolen okay Mm, sure so once married he began to isolate deborah from her family and her friends to control all aspects of her life and control uh you know her her money to control her financially and i feel like that's a like a big thing that you know people that want to control you or like partners that want to control you do They like isolate you from the people that you love and that love you so that they aren't able to see through the red flags because I feel like a master manipulator can focus on one single person to manipulate and they might do a really good job at it. But when then there's like external factors or like external voices like telling you like that's not normal you know, a normal partner wouldn't do that. That's when you start to question it. So if you're isolated, then no one's going to know what's going on in your life and what's happening with your relationship. So you're going to think that, oh, this is normal, right? Especially if you haven't had like a a normal, healthy relationship before, you're going to be like, this is normal. Like, of course, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're going to start making excuses because you're in love and you want to believe your partner. Of course, you want to believe in the good in people. My advice, don't. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, the video that I watched also shows, like, uh, like a clip of, like, John's John Meeham's first wife, Tanya. Uh, and she was very familiar with his deceit and his lies. And she explains... That she also found out that he was a drug addict when she found a box in their home, like in the top shelf with anesthesia drugs. And that once they split, he threatened her and told her to enjoy her time left on Earth because it was going to be short. So basically, Tanya and her daughter spent years fearing for their lives. And uh, his daughters even thought that, you know, that maybe their dad was going to come back and kidnap them just to get back to their mom at their mom. And the detective investigating the, that case learned that John Meham had around fifty victims that were kind of like extortion or stalking related. Fifty victims, fifty women that fell into his manipulations, into his charm, where you know they gave him an in, and this man took it. And then in 2013, he was sent to jail after he was discovered having cyanide pills. Sip tights and a gun uh, and in 2014 he was released from uh, jail and then two days later was when he met Deborah. him having sip tights and a gun one well, the cyanide pills too but I'm just like Niccolo <laughs> when when Tanya looks through Niccolo's back and she finds like the sip tights rope the gun like what <laughs> of course Tanya was gonna fucking freak out Um, then Deborah says that she began to notice that something was off till after they were married and how it took her almost a year to understand the full scope of what John was capable of. And that's when she decided to leave him and she went into hiding for months, but he continued to stalk her. And in one of like his stalking episodes, he located her car and set it on fucking fire. Crazy behavior. Uh, John Meeham then went after Deborah's daughter uh, and when he and um, attacked her outside of her apartments, but she fought back and stabbed him until he died. Um, so she stabbed him in self-defense. And finally, the women that were tormented by John Mehem were finally able to rest. Ah, I can picture the relief of getting that call. Like all of the women are like finding out and being like, ah, I can finally go outside without being in fear of like what this man's going to do next. I don't know why I'm getting a little sentimental. I'm just like, you know, they say that violence is never the answer. Sometimes it is. I was just talking to my friend Kelly Bear recently. Sometimes violence is the answer you don't have to agree with me. It's fine. It's fine. I don't care, but it is. And like the relief that probably Deborah felt, especially because he went after her daughter, her youngest daughter. I remember when I watched the show, um, her younger daughter was kind of like, not obsessed, but she really liked The Walking Dead. And that's what she, like, how, what she was thinking about when she fought off this man and stabbed him to death. Like, She was thinking of like a scene from like The Walking Dead of like the characters defending themselves from the zombies. And that's what kind of like helped her get through this horrible fucking experience of getting attacked by her uh, mom's husband. And not something that wasn't brought up in the video or in the article. She was with her dog, with her small dog. Her dog was biting at this man's heels to like protect her her owner and I was just like (laughs) ah the love that a pet has for its owner it's unmatchable you can not recreate that type of fucking love so again just like another story of a man taking advantage of a vulnerable woman um and like the lengths that they would go to like get back at them um yeah, so those are the um, you know the two cases that I wanted to talk about. Let's move on to the next section. These are some lingering questions about this season that I still have and that other people also had. I-, I found these questions online, but I I am going to also answer some of like y'all's questions. But the first question is, what's going to happen with Greg? Will he inherit the money? You know what? Fucked up, fam. So you know how um we found out that Belinda from season one is coming back to season three? And my brain was like, what if, in Tanya's will, she left most of her money to Belinda? Like, a girl can dream, right? Like, a girl can dream because I'm trying to think, why is Belinda coming back? Like, what is going to be the connective tissue? I am really, like curious as to see what spin they're gonna give season three so i'd like to think that greg is not gonna inherit shit i want to think that you know fucking tanya got ahead of it and she called her lawyer and like she set up something in her will so that you know they could uh, annul the marriage because you know how um in in the this season Tanya mentions to Portia how she had talked to her lawyer and how there were some things that needed to be done if she wanted to get an annulment. What 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 if that was set into motion? Who would her money go to? Because Tanya didn't have family, like you know, her, both of her parents are dead. She is dead now. I don't. There was never any mention of siblings. I don't know. What well, you know? Like, I really hope Greg doesn't get the money. I hope he's miserable. I hope someone gets vengeance on season three for my girl, Tanya. Was she problematic? Yes, a thousand percent. Did she deserve to die? No, you know, no. Um, Will Portia go to the authorities? I don't know. Jack really did a, na- a number on her. Like, to be completely honest, if I was in Portia's shoes, I would be terrified. Like, in the last scenes of this season where she's in the hotel and she's, like, in disguise because she's fucking scared? Or, like, will Greg go after Portia because she knows the truth or she knows, like, something? I don't know. What do y'all think? I feel like maybe. Because, okay. She finds out everyone else is dead. The only people that are in debt are Greg and Jack. But Jack was loyal to Quentin. Quentin is dead. But again, Jack was super loyal to Quentin because Quentin was keeping him afloat. Like he said, like he saved my life. What's gonna happen to Jack now? Is he gonna go back to being in that black hole he talked about? Which it was probably something really traumatizing because the way that he reacted to like remembering where he was before Quentin, like what's gonna happen to him, you know? I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna I feel like Jack's still being alive and and Greg still being there. Like I think that might hold her back from going to the authorities. Uh, This question, I thought this was obvious, but when I talked to Alyssa AKA Yaya AKA Don Chamango, she didn't know, she, cause I thought, I am a thousand percent sure that Owen and Daphne hooked up. I think that's the reason that Owen was finally able to let go of the Cameron and Harper thing. I think that's what like the barrier that was keeping them from having sex and being attracted to each other. So I firmly believe that Owen and Daphne did something when they went on their little, let's go look at that island. I wanna go see that island before we leave, you know? I mean, I know I would is that problematic? I don't care. (laughs) Look, my girl Daphne just found out that the one friend she thought she had, aka Harper, did something with her husband after she kind of like showed her true self and told her like, you know, I'm not a victim, blah, 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 blah. And then Harper still went and did that. Yes, they're not friends. Yes, they just met on this fucking trip. But girl code, sweetie, girl code. So if my little sweetie pie, Daphne wants to get back at Harper, I'm all for it. Yes. Like, was it under like the influence of alcohol? Yes, yes, yes. Is that an excuse? No. Absolutely not. And I'm not just blaming Harper. I'm blaming Cameron. Cameron's a piece of shit. Does Harper feel guilty? Does she feel like shit for what happened? Yes, because she knows that Cameron is a piece of fucking trash. Is he a hot piece of trash? He is. Mwah. Chefskis. I would do that, man. Do unthinkable things to me. And it all went to. I'm, I'm Albie. And. I- <laughs> There are a lot of men who I would let um, let them do unthinkable things to me, but besides the point, irrelevant. So before we get started with some of the questions that two of the fucked up fam uh, posted on the Instagram about lingering questions about season two of The White Lotus, I just watched a really quick uh, video, uh, like a four minute video, um, and it's called Unpacking Season Two, Episode Seven with Mike White. Uh, and... Something that he said really stood out to me about Tanya's death. So he said that he didn't necessarily want to kill off Tanya. Uh, But in the last episode of season one, Tanya is sitting down with Greg, and Greg is like explaining his health issues to her. And she's uh, going off about how she's had all like the treatments that the world can offer, or like that money can buy and that the last immersive experience that she hasn't like taken part of or tried is death so he figured it would be like the greatest connective tissue for her to be in season two and for it to lead to her inevitable death and he also explained that you know tanya went out with a bang literally literally and metaphorically because after you know. Being fucking psychotic as she should have been because she was about to get murdered and killing all these men at the end like she dies because of her own dumbness. <laughs> I was trying to find like a better word for it, like her own like. Is, is stupidity too harsh? Stupidity, stupidity is the word stupidity to describe Tonya's death too harsh but it was kind of like she died by her own stupid terms you know what I mean uh and the last thing that uh Mike White mentioned and that stood out to me in this um interview kind of video is that the first season of the White Lotus dealt with money the second season dealt with sex and how he's hoping that maybe um the third season can deal with like uh, like re- Eastern religion and spirituality. Ooh. I'm excited to see that. I wonder who the returning character is going to be for season three. Well, we already know that someone from season one is coming back, which is Belinda from season one. Uh, but, I, but there has to be someone from season two coming back, right? Like you would think so. I hope someone does come back, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, let me go to the questions that were asked. So there were two questions that were asked. The first one was asked by Ileana. Hi, Ileana. Thank you for asking a question. I love you. All right. Question is, do you think a little jealousy slash threat spices up in a Spices up our relationship. Example, Ethan uh, and Harper. Uh, how do I say this? Yes. Sir. <laughs> I feel like Ethan and Harper's relationship was very stagnant. Right? They, they were in the were roommates phase. And it's so sad because they're young. Like, how long have they been married for? A couple of years, maybe? no longer than five like they seem like they went to school like she went to law school he was like figuring shit out and then after they like started like making good money they seem like the responsible type to like wait like figure out their shit and then get married so I feel like they haven't been married for that long to already be at the roommate stage of their relationship Seems pathetic to me. It seems sad. Especially when they're both so fucking hot. Like Aubrey Plaza, hot. The actor that plays Ethan, hot. That runner body, yum. Yum. (laughs) So I feel like this trip, even though it did almost break them, brought them closer together. They needed that chaos. They needed a little bit of what Cameron and Daphne have. Not not a lot. Because what Cameron and Daphne have, while hot, super complicated, there's a lot of unspoken feelings and emotions within that relationship, right? There's a lot of always... Having to one up your partner, always having to, oh, if they hurt me, bet I'ma hurt them even more. Oh, he's fucking everyone, everything that moves, bet I'ma have a kid with my trainer. Let's see how that how that <laughs> fucking feels. Oh my god. Daphne's an icon for that though. She's like, oh, my husband's gonna cheat around on me. Bet, bet she's playing the game and she's winning. Uh point for the girlies point for the girlies in this one. But yeah, I think I think a little jealousy is not bad. I think some threat that someone better might come and take away your partner is not a bad thing yo. I don't think it's a bad thing because because first of all, it keeps you on your toes. It makes you want to protect your relationship. It makes you want to keep on doing things for your partner so your partner knows how you feel about them. Like how is fucking Harper? I get. Yeah, I know I keep going back to this, but if like someone had responded to that to me, I would have literally unalived myself right there in front of them like how are you gonna respond i love you to the are you attracted to me question no that is again the correct response to the are you attracted to me question is to eat your woman's pussy right there right now no questions asked put her panties down and eat her out until she comes that's the correct response to the are you even attracted to me question not i love you like bro i know you love me bro we're fucking married what do you mean i know that stop being a fucking idiot and let me know either by your actions or with your words that you still think i'm hot so sorry liana i got a little i got a little heated i got a little heated i'm just in conclusion (laughs) yes jealousy threat a little bit a little sprinkle every now and then like it makes you realize that how important you are to your partner is it is it more than a sprinkle is that good no it's not it's not because then you start playing games and when you start playing games you're always going to one-up each other one-up each other i thought that other each other sounded very bice, But, yeah, that's my response. I hope that answered your question. I hope so. Uh, next question. And this is from the homie Dan. Who has the healthiest relationship, bro? <sighs> They're all so toxic. Ay, ay, ay. That's a tough one. Honestly, honestly, Lucia and Albie. eh? (laughs) Before the scamming. eh? (laughs) Dude, all the relationships in this season are trash, dude, trash. Ethan, for being a pussy. And I'm only commenting on the man, on the man, right here. Ethan, pussy. Cameron, whore. Ran through whore how are you gonna cheat on your wife while you're on vacation with her bro like i don't care if she's a city away i don't give a fuck. that's so disrespectful and the fact that he's just like oh yeah dude like everyone cheats what do you mean you you haven't fucked someone else but you've been married lame loser fucking loser i feel like cameron is in that like i feel like cameron peaked in high school and then he's just been trying to catch up his whole life because he knows he peaked in high school he's aware of it like he even said it to Ethan and I know I'm going off of, off topic the question he even said it like oh dude like you know like let me in on some trade secret that's how I make my money basically that's basically what he told him like I'm a little I'm very beautiful but I'm very stupid but I still make money because I'm beautiful and because I have the right connections you know but and then and then fucking go see Ima. Fucking Dominic, dude. Dominic, trash, trash husband, sir. I know you have a sex addiction. I know you have a sex addiction, sir. But it feels like Dominic never, ever tried to get help for it. He's just been like cruising through life, fucking everything that moves, just breaking his wife's heart for the past ten years. Why, well, I feel like. I feel like his wife mentioned something of 10 years or I don't know where I got the 10 years from. Like, I wonder if he used to be faithful and then something happened and then like his addiction unraveled or something that something that comes to mind when you're an addict, you're an addict in all aspects of your life. However, I feel like some addicts can only balance one addiction. So let's say you're an alcoholic And then you give up alcohol and then you like develop another addiction. So it could lead to like sex addiction or like vice versa. You do drugs and then like you stop doing that. So you like hyper focus on another thing. So that could also lead to sex addiction. So I wonder what or how Dominic really is or really was. And I feel like we got we didn't get a lot of background on him we know he uh it did not break the generational curses he did not break those generational chains uh passed on by his dad that's basically all we know and that he thinks his mom's a martyr and that his dad was fucking horrible and how that his dad never taught him how to love sir at some point that becomes your responsibility at some point you need to stop blaming your parents you do you do you do and if you remember my poem the escape artist uh that's exactly how I feel. I just, you know, uh, sometimes your parents did the best with what they had. And again, sometimes it's the bare minimum, be- bottom of the barrel. But you got to let go of that at some point. That's just my humble opinion. But again, I still haven't answered your question, and I'm so sorry. They're all so toxic. I feel that to be honest, like even though Ethan's a pussy before they got there, yes, maybe they were not having sex, but they could like, they were honest with you. Uh, honest to like a certain extent, right? Because obviously they weren't being honest about why they weren't fucking. I feel like that's not like a topic of conversation. Like, Hey, over breakfast, like over some pancakes. uh, Hey, why haven't you fucked me? I feel like that's a hard conversation to have, right? Like, in a relationship, when it's gone stagnant, when your sex life has gone stagnant, when you're like way too comfortable with someone. I know that sometimes having those type of conversations is hard, but they're worth having, right? It's an uncomfortable conversation. Like, dude, like I'm horny. Like, why aren't you fucking me, you know? (laughs) But I feel like they were healthy because ethan didn't know that everyone cheats harper thought that her and, and ethan's relationship was great in comparison to daphne and cameron's so maybe them being delusional about their relationship made it the healthiest one in comparison to the other relationships that we saw you know what i, I- <laughs> I changed, I changed, I change my mind. I changed my mind. Healthiest relationship goes to, drum roll please. Jack and. Quentin. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, baby. Um, I think it's the uh, healthiest relationship because it was a quid pro quo agreement. Like you scratch my back and I scratch yours. Meaning, yes, I'll do your dirty work and abduct this woman and pretend that I like her and have sex with her. And then I and then I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. I feel like everyone knew what they were getting from this agreement I feel like it was healthy it was there were boundaries in place uh Quentin helped Jack out of that really dark hole he was in before he met him he was helping him out financially um yeah I think they had the healthiest relationship in all of White Lotus history And the least healthiest, I know you didn't ask, but the least healthiest relationship would be Greg and Tanya. Uh, If y'all already had a series of failed marriages, why the fuck do you want to get married again? Like, what's so great about marriage anyway? Like, y'all already failed at it a couple of times. What makes you think this third or fourth time is going to be it for you? What makes you think that? And then Greg being a fucking pussy and getting the person that has been in love with him for the past 30 years to do his dirty job. Yes, Quentin was going to get a lot of money out of it. But was he, though? Like, Greg seems like such a piece of shit, scum of the earth, like, scammer. I feel like fucking Greg would have just, like, ha ha away with all of Tanya's money and not giving quentin or his homies a crumb you know so yes healthiest jack and quentin Uh, and then honorary mention whatever whatever harper and ethan and then least healthiest greg and tanya Again, they should have never gotten married. Tanya should have just started the business with Belinda. Everyone would have been happy. Tanya wouldn't have died. Uh, But that's how it goes. Sometimes you make stupid, 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 idiotic decisions. And sometimes you don't. But most of the times you do. If your name is Tanya McQuar. Um, but yeah, I think that's it, Fucked Up Fam. We've gotten to the end of the wrap-up episode. And you know what that means. I will be telling you which show I will be doing for season 10 of that show, Fuck Me Up. Woo, woo. Again, why am I wooing? I'm not a woo girl. But it's the moment y'all have all been waiting for. For season 10 of that show, Fuck Me Up, I will be covering... The HBO series called Sharp Objects. Oh, my God. This show with Miss Amy Adams, Miss Amy Adams, Miss Enchanted from the movie Enchanted, the princess um, with Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. <laughs> she is such a well-rounded actress, like she could do any fucking part and she can nail it. Um but yeah this fuck this show fucked me up, and just from the beginning, trigger warnings, trigger warnings, sweetie self harm um death of a child, torture, uh doing something to a corpse uh a a lot of shit, a lot of shit it gives me like mayor of East town vibes. And you know how Meraveson f- fuck fucked me up. Fuck me and fuck y'all up. If you haven't listened to my Meraves Town season, what the fuck are you doing with your life? You need to go listen to it. Absolutely right now. Drop what you're doing, sweetie. I don't know why I'm I'm doing an accent. I'm so sorry, sweetie. I'm so sorry. But yeah, if you haven't listened to my Maravistown uh season, go check it out and then yeah, let's get ready for season 10, Sharp Objects. Like as always, I'm taking a few weeks off uh, off to prepare I don't know if it's gonna be two or three bear with me bear fucking with me but it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun it's gonna be traumatic it's gonna fuck us up everything you ask and you want for from that show fucked me up episode yes it is <laughs> all right but now we've really got into the end of our wrap-up episode uh you already know the deal follow the podcast on social media on instagram where that show effed me up f is spelled e-f-f-e-d on twitter where that d-a-t show fucked me up fuck spelled without a u so f-c-k-e-d give the podcast a five-star review on apple podcast and on spotify and on apple podcast you can leave like a written review um, So that would be great. I would be so grateful. And again, little quid pro quo auction never hurt nobody. If you know what I mean, why can't I speak? <laughs> um, But yeah, thank you so much for listening. You know, I fucking love you. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole. Unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.